0: Welcome to the Persons with Lived Experience podcast, inspiring stories for unprecedented times with Dixie and Zona.
1: Then traffickers will go back to other criminal activity that law enforcement is better trained and and equipped to to combat, like stealing cars or selling drugs. Mm -hmm. And not that we want those other crimes to happen in our communities either, but I, I would sure rather have to look for a stolen car. And go through that painful experience and try to find my daughter who's been taken by a sex
0: trafficking ring. This podcast contains content that may be alarming to some listeners. Please check the show notes for more detailed descriptions and take precautions for yourself. Thank you. Bring Freedom's live anti trafficking inspiration event is coming up on November 18th and 19th. Sign up for the All for One challenge today. You don't want to miss this.
2: I'm Zona. I'm a writer, speaker, person with lived experience of human trafficking and homelessness, and of course, a tiny house enthusiast and cereal foodie. And I'm Dixie. I'm all
0: about joy, justice, and fair trade fashion. I'm an anti-trafficking advocate, mom of money, and passionate worshiper.
2: Today we have our guest, uh, Sandy, and she is an author, an abolitionist. She is currently serving as the director of Strategic Impact with Deliver Fund, which is a nonprofit private intelligence firm made of former special operations military, and law enforcement professionals who provide training and technology solutions to aid in the fight to end human trafficking. She herself is a child sex trafficking survivor and she has served on coalitions, task forces, and multidisciplinary teams addressing human trafficking since 2009. She is a trusted advisor and for law enforcement, medical, and education professionals, service providers, and concerned citizens as she is a sought-out speaker in both the church and business communities. She has been featured in media, including podcasts and news interviews, and as a subject matter expert in Dr. Elizabeth M. Wheaton's college textbook, The Economics of Human Rights. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, ladies. It's an honor to be with you today and an honor to address your audience.
2: Yeah, we are so glad that you're here. Yeah. Um, we are excited to hear your story and how it all turns out. This wonderful human that is you now.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I don't know if I should start from the very beginning, like the sperm in the embryo (laughs) stage, or if we should jump to like what I'm doing today and then work backwards, reverse engineer the human that I have become. (laughs) Um, But um, even in that little glimmer of life, uh, when the egg and the sperm came together, God Mm -hmm. knew the purpose that he had for my life, even then. Right. And it's, it's so amazing to be able to look back at what has transpired the good, the bad, and the ugly that brought me to where I am today. And to know that through it all, he had a plan and his redemptive plan was at work even in the darkest times. So I always want to lead with hope. Um and especially if there's somebody maybe listening to this today that wishes they were never born or doesn't understand the purpose that God has for them. I, I just want to speak hope over them and and that's my goal always when I share, especially if I'm going to share any of the details of my traumatic story of being trafficked for 20 years, I I always want to lead with hope and so hope throughout the story, weave it throughout the story, because it's so important that we hold on to hope. Um, we could do trauma bombing all day long. All of us have been sure. through traumatic experiences, whether it's the loss of a loved one or financial collapse or anything, um, that just isn't in alignment with God's perfect plan for our lives. But when we're able to look through the lens of the kingdom, we can see that his plan is reigning through it all. His, his plan for our lives is, um, bringing all of those broken pieces together and all of the beautiful pieces together. And it's, it's building the story of who we are, in Christ and who we are in his kingdom. Yeah. Um, okay. So if I'm going to tell my, you know, share my dirty laundry and tell <laughs> some, of, some of those um, negative experiences I've had, I would like to start um, when I entered what I refer to as the justice movement. So mm-hmm. um, in 2009, my husband and I had just moved to a new town and um, he had been, transferred with his job. And so he kind of had his network of people that he was being plugged into right out of the gate, Mm -hmm. but I was seeking my tribe Mm -hmm. and I went to a ladies' Bible study at a church that we had been visiting. And, um, I heard about human trafficking. Right. And I remember coming home from that meeting in tears, just overwhelmed and telling my husband, there are people being sold for sex against their will, children, women, men in America. It's not just happening overseas. It's happening here in the United States. Mm -hmm. And I have to do something about this. Mm -hmm. I have to be a part of that stopping for these people who are suffering. And I became very passionate. Um, I started volunteering with nonprofits to educate the community, holding film screenings, organizing events. Educating the public, I, I remember I spoke at rotary clubs, at um, meetings with real estate agents, with s- school teachers, anybody who was willing to hear the truth about human trafficking, I wanted to get that information in front of them so that they could do something to, to bring a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, working with political leaders, with business leaders, with leaders in the church, I was very passionate for several years, I read every book I could find about slavery and human trafficking watch every documentary. Um, I I even watch some of the really bad Hollywood movies (laughs) (laughs) that that don't do a very good job of telling the truth of of how it really happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And several years into this volunteer uh, phase of my life, I kind of had a light bulb moment. And I realized that these stories I'm reading, these documentaries that I'm watching, these, these um, tales that I'm absorbing and learning about these, these are so close to my story. Right. And I, I had a moment with Jesus where I was like, this sounds like my story. This sounds like my life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he, he kind of revealed it all to me in a, in a moment as only he can do. Right. Yeah. He yep. showed me that this was my story and that he had drawn me into this work because he was going to use me. And I was so overwhelmed with just, I could not believe how much he had healed me from, how much he had set me free from, how much freedom he had given me Mm -hmm. when I had given my life to him, uh, which had been several years before. And he allowed me to see all of those broken pieces coming together and that he was there the whole time. That so He was there when I was a six-year-old child, and my mother was being groomed by a pedophile businessman, and he put me into that ring of, of other wealthy pedophiles. Um, from six to 12 years old, I was trafficked through country clubs and yacht clubs. Uh, we would go to big, fancy parties dressed in fancy clothing. We lived in a suburban home in a very upscale community. I lived right down the street from the junior high school, walked to Mm -hmm. and from school on a daily basis and often brought other little girls home with me to introduce them to the, the businessmen who were assaulting us um, because we were groomed to think that this was a normal part of life. This was Mm -hmm. something that all um, that's only special little girls, but that all men did Um, when I was, I, an adolescent, I started running away from home to escape that daily abuse, mm-hmm. and I learned quickly on the streets that there are, a ne- there's a never-ending supply of men who are willing to take a child's innocence.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That they are, they're actually seeking out vulnerable children so that they can sexually assault them or so that they can convince them to do something for money that they wouldn't have done unless they were in that desperate situation. Right. So when I was on the streets and sleeping under bridges, eating food out of trash cans, cause that was a better option than the daily assault within the home. I was finding daily assault by this never ending string of men on the streets at 12, 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, my high school relationships Because I was so broken, because I was so damaged from all of the abuse I had experienced, all of my boyfriends in high school were in their 30s. They had done prison time. They had guns. They had drugs. And I was an easy target for them. I was somebody that was already groomed for that lifestyle. And when I was hanging out with them, if we ran out of drugs and money, I was already taught how to obtain those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so these men were taking advantage of me at 15, 16, 17 years old and using me as a tool to bring other girls into those situations.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So when I decided I was going to break free from these really destructive cycles and I was going to take control of my life and I was going to go work in the strip club, make the money for myself. And be in charge and have these limitations. In my mind, I thought I would be able to put limitations on the access that people would have to my body. I'm sorry. I really have to say the access men would have to my body. Right. Um, when I was in the strip clubs, when I was involved in the, the desperate situations on the streets and even as a child, while there would be on occasion a woman involved with some of that abuse, it was by and large driven by men. And I learned in uh, the strip club industry that there is no safe place, especially for a a person like myself that had vulnerabilities. Those vulnerabilities were exploited every opportunity that the staff or the customers had. They would take advantage of my vulnerabilities. They would destroy any boundaries that I tried to uh, erect to protect myself, Mm -hmm. and it was always at a cost and it was always at the cost to me mm-hmm. even though i might be collecting money i didn't get to keep that money even though i might be collecting tips i didn't get to keep those tips and i didn't get to put any limits on the access that people had to my body mm-hmm. um By the time I was in my young adult in my early 20s, I was so lost to the world of drugs and hopelessness and homelessness and absolutely desperate on the streets that I was trafficked by pimps that I don't even know their names and sold from one pimp to another for like the price you would pay for a used purse or a leather coat that you're selling on Craigslist or something like that. Um, and my life was so out of control. I was so hopeless and trapped, really trapped in that life. And I didn't know of a way out. And I had no desire to even try to get out of that world because I was so hopeless, because I was so filled with shame, because I was so desperate just to stay high, to keep the the words that were playing in my head silent Um, about all of the life of abuse that I had experienced. And, um, and I barely made it out of those situations. There were plenty of times in that darkness that I didn't just think I was going to die, but I wanted to die because I was so hopeless because I had been hurt by so many people. And I had, I had no example of love. I had no example of, restoration or rehabilitation or freedom from from all of this pain. Mm -hmm. And um, in the midst of all of that, I can look back now. And as I was sharing earlier in in um, our time together, I can look back now and I can see where the Lord was, even in the midst of those darkest hours, and how he protected me, how he sustained me, and how his purpose for my life even though I was living far from it, uh, his purpose for my life was prevailing. Mm -hmm. So um, fast forward to...
2: This podcast is brought to you by the generous donations of the supporters of bringfreedom.org. Through your support... Through our Venmo at Bring Freedom, we are able to support the persons with lived experience who are brave enough to share their stories here and avoid re-traumatization by them having to give away their story or their services for free while still maintaining these types of trainings as well as the all for one challenge that we have coming up on November 18th and 19th at no cost to you in order to completely end human trafficking in your community. If you would like to be one of the supporters of bringfreedom.org you can visit our website Or you can make a tax-deductible donation to our Venmo at Bring Freedom. Thank you. In
1: 2004, I had this incredible experience where I gave my life to Jesus, and I immediately got a brand new life. And in that moment, I was set free from all of that shame, all of that anger, all of the hopelessness, the drug addiction, all of the sexual sins and the, the perversions that had happened to me and that I had participated in willingly, all of those things were answered in a moment when I gave my life to Jesus. And I say that he didn't just forgive me for the sins that I had committed, but he answered every sin that had been committed against me with his love. And he gave me immediate freedom and healing. And then he called me to walk that out and that looked like discipleship. And so we didn't have the ministries and the resources that have sprung up all over the place today that are, Mm -hmm. it seems there's a new anti-trafficking ministry every day who wants to help the victims of trafficking to rebuild their lives. We didn't have that back then. Mm -hmm. And so my experience of learning how to, Be a wife, learning how to be a Christian, learning how to be an upstanding member of society happened within the local church setting in a very small congregation with a bunch of broken people with busted Bibles. And Mm -hmm. if I looked around the room during a Bible study, I would notice that everybody else's Bibles had beat up covers and lots of notes in the margins and tags on the edges of the paper because they were being used every day mm-hmm. and these were the tools that these um, these individuals were using to guide themselves through life and it it just ignited such a hunger and a passion in me to uh, to follow that to to become a Christian and so that's that's how I ended up where I am today now it's been 18 years that I've been walking with the Lord and experiencing, his freedom, his healing in greater doses every day. So as I started, um, as I had that revelation in 2000, I think it was 2012 that I was a victim of trafficking, that everything that I just shared with you that I had labeled in my mind as abuse or, you know, I was a victim of my own circumstances or I put myself in those situations when I had that moment of clarity that that was trafficking, that this was, there was a word that we could use a legal definition that would define what I had experienced, mm-hmm. um, I was not only overwhelmed <laughs> by the love of God and his power to heal and set free, mm-hmm. but I was completely empowered, I think is a good word to use, to record some of the details of my story And so I wrote my first book around that time and it just kind of poured out of me, but I kept it in a file in my computer for, for quite some time Mm -hmm. and my husband and I prayed about it um, until we really felt the, the release that it was time to release that book in about 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. I've, since have written two other books and I'm about to release a novel of the story of some of the things I experienced when I was being trafficked and some of the things I've experienced on this side of healing and it, um, they're written in allegorical form. So I started telling my story as a survivor. I started working with other nonprofits to do some consulting and educate Uh, the public, Uh, educate law enforcement, kind of like what you read in my bio. mm -hmm. And in um, 2019, I came in contact with Deliver Fund. And since I've been on this team, since I've joined this incredible organization, I really feel like my purpose is coming alive. Uh, We have measurable, scalable results in the work to end human trafficking. And the impact that we're making using technology and innovation to solve the problem of human trafficking gives me so much hope. And I think if this, if this organization existed 30 years ago, 40 years ago, before I was ever victimized, it probably would not have happened. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I know that we're solving the problem for those who are being trafficked today, mm-hmm. and we're building a world where trafficking will not happen in the future. So I I have a lot of hope because of the work that I'm doing today with this team.
0: Yeah, so good.
2: Mm -hmm. Wow, that's such a break. So how did you get connected to the team that you have?
1: I'm not really sure how to answer that question. You know, I had, um, I had some information that I thought would be relevant to them and I reached out to my mentor who also was working in the anti-trafficking space at the time and I asked her if she knew anybody in the organization and she sent me the contact info for the, the co-founder and at the time he was the executive vice president so I scheduled a meeting and they were in Dallas, which I'm, I'm in Dallas at this time. And, um, and we, we set up a meeting. So I went to the deliver fund offices with copies of my books and just no idea what was about to happen, but I sat down with the, the co-founder and executive vice president who just happened to be a navy seal sniper in his Mm -hmm. service to our nation and um, Mm -hmm. I sat down with him and his wife and told them a little bit about what I do and let them know if they ever needed anything I was here in the Dallas area and happy to help them with any anything that they might need assistance with as a survivor Mm -hmm. and um, and I guess the rest is history you know it, we had a really good connection, and it made a lot of sense for them to bring me onto the team because they, they needed that survivor support. The survivor that they were working with in a professional capacity at that time is an incredibly brilliant woman. Her name's Tamea nagy Payne, and she's a survivor that's based in Canada, and Tamea has developed um, an international school, an international educational portal for people to learn about trafficking, people who are in the anti-money laundering field, people who are in uh, law enforcement or service provision or the hospitality industry. And so it's kind of like a Netflix for education about human trafficking that Tamea has put together. And she's absolutely brilliant and very effective in her work, but she's Canadian. And Mm -hmm. so she's actually she has her own story and it's, she's absolutely brilliant and beautiful. And she does have quite a tale of her experience being trafficked. Um, but there were some challenges for deliver fund, bringing her from Canada to do law enforcement training. So they, sure. they kind of paired me up with her and I took some training from her about, you know, I drank some of this Kool-Aid <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, and little did we know at the end of 2019 that in 2020, she wouldn't be able to get across the border to, to bring training to the United States anyway. Right. And, I mean, nobody could have foreseen what was going to happen with the pandemic.
2: Right. Um,
1: but I I joined the team at the end of 2019. And every day that I've been partnered with this organization, I have been challenged. I have been called hire um my mentors are former special operators so our ceo is uh he was a para in the air force and that means he was the guy that jumps out of an airplane into mm-hmm. the freezing water to, to save someone who's drowning or repels into a cave to rescue someone who got stuck in that cave whose arm is wedged mm-hmm. um in a cave and he, and he rescues them and brings them out of that danger After his career in pararescue, he went into the CIA and he was one of the youngest leaders in the CIA in Mm -hmm. overseas um, work and working with these Navy SEALs and CIA uh, intelligence experts and and others from the NSA, um, Kara the Huntress on social media is her mm-hmm. handle. And Kara Smith um, was in the NSA. She was also a signet analyst in the air force. I'm um, just being able to work with people who have achieved that level of success, uh, mm-hmm. the highest level of success. And they have the highest level of training available for military or intelligence work. Um, and, and and they're dedicating their lives. They're dedicating every ounce of their effort and focus and, experience and intelligence to solving the problem of human trafficking. Um, it's helped me to develop as, an, as a professional, but also mm-hmm. just to see the results that we have. We're building technology solutions using brilliant minds from Sandia labs and, and people who design supercomputers and um, using computer learning to and and highly analytical methodologies to solve the problem of human trafficking by bringing law enforcement jurisdictions together Mm -hmm. and breaking down those silos so that the communication can flow freely and so that we can target human traffickers and see their patterns and predict where they're going to, to be looking for victims or taking their victims. And we can solve the problem of human trafficking in a community by going directly after the trafficker. So we help law enforcement to, um, to build target-centric investigations using the same kind of thought patterns, the same kind of methodologies that these special operators used overseas when they would be hunting down terrorists. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you can imagine, a terrorist is has to make a plan and has to use technology to execute that plan. And that's how our special operators and intelligence professionals would prevent buildings from being blown up or wow. attacks from happening on innocent people. So we're, we're using that same kind of methodology to target. We, we train, equip, and advise law enforcement to hunt, arrest, and prosecute traffickers. And, and our, our results are pretty good. So far, we have a 100% prosecution rate. Every time we've worked with law enforcement to to do that, to hunt down, arrest, and prosecute a trafficker, the trafficker goes to prison where they belong. Yeah. So the results are really good. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) The, The trafficking victims that that trafficker was exploiting are not only recovered and they have an opportunity to build a new life. But the, the possible victims, the potential victims that the trafficker might be targeting or grooming are now free to live their life without, mm-hmm. without being victimized. And it's also because it's, the trafficking is an illicit market. So we have to think about it academically, like how can we really change the marketplace and when we when we arrest those trap when well we don't arrest the traffickers law enforcement arrests them but when we right. work with law enforcement to support those investigations and make sure the traffickers are arrested, it raises the risk in the marketplace. It's no longer a low risk, high reward business decision mm-hmm. for a criminal to engage in.
2: Right.
1: Now they say, well, I can't go to that town because. They know what's up,
0: right? (laughs) Those Mm -hmm.
1: those cops will arrest me if I bring my girls to that town. So they, they look elsewhere um, to, to do their dirty work. And our goal is to have, we have 500, about 500 law enforcement agencies that we've partnered with in some way, whether it's training, equipping, or advising, or, you know, more than one or all three of those. We have um, even a, a contract with Interpol now. So we're on a global Scale solving the problem of human trafficking, wow. and we see we see in these communities where um, the deliver fund methodology is being implemented that trafficking is declining. And <laughs> if we can if we can do that at scale, and we can make that the norm, then traffickers will go back to other criminal activity that law enforcement is better trained and and equipped to to combat like stealing cars or selling drugs mm-hmm. and not that we want those other crimes to happen in our communities either. But I, I would sure rather have to look for a stolen car and go mm-hmm. through that painful experience than try to find my daughter who's yeah. been taken by a sex trafficking ring. Absolutely. So, um, so that's what we're doing. And being a part of this team, like I said, it's an incredible honor. They're brilliant and they've, they've laid down their lives to serve the country and that's amazing. here today because of the the service that they've provided to our nation um mm-hmm. but they sure are a sharp group of individuals and they're they're just helping to refine me as a professional and calling me higher to be a better human being
2: sure that's good
1: we all need that
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, wow yeah well that is very inspiring and it's you know, it's such a cool thing to see, like, even if you aren't aware at the time of what exactly is happening for you, it doesn't mean that you're counted out and it still means, you know, that the Lord can provide those, you know, open doors and connections and um people that will bring you in and call you higher to those places and, you know, push you to go for big goals and And walk through even on dark days, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, Well, we have loved having you on. And you mentioned your book. But I wanted to make sure that people knew how to get access to the books that you've written. So where can they find your books? So I think that the best
1: way for people to buy the books is to go to deliverfund.org and that's spelled just like it sounds deliver like you deliver a baby or you get delivered from sin when you give your life to Jesus deliver yes. and then fund like a whole bunch of money deliverfund.org and you can go into the store and you can search for different categories and and my books are under the books category Okay. So I didn't have any part in that brilliance of designing <laughs> of designing that path to them. Um, but every time you purchase a book from the Deliver Fund store, it not only provides me some resources, but it also supports the organization, mm-hmm. and um, they get they get a portion of those sales as well. And we're a nonprofit, so everything we do uh, for law enforcement and for the community is only possible by the support of our very generous. Um, donations and grants that we get from the public. Yeah. So you can get them at deliverfund.org. Um, the books are called the Navi series, and we have the novel coming soon. Uh, we're still working the publishing details out, but it it will be called Remember Navi. And the books are also available wherever you normally buy books on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, and at my website
2: authorsandystorm.com as well. Perfect. Okay. Well, that's lovely. And um, just to for clarity, if they do want to book you for a speaking engagement, they can find you at your website, Author Sandy Storm.
1: Yeah, authorsandystorm.com. Okay. Or through social media. I'm at Author Sandy Storm on, I guess, everything but TikTok.
2: <laughs>
1: and <laughs> I'm a little old for TikTok, y'all. but <laughs> <laughs> But I'm at, um, you can get me at my email, sandy.storm at deliverfund.org as well. Perfect. Wonderful.
2: Yeah. I think that's really great. It has been lovely. Thank you, ladies. Everything out.
1: (laughs) That sounds great. Great. Thank you, Sandy. Yeah, thank you. God bless you, ladies.
0: Join us for the 10th annual Dressumber Style Challenge. Advocacy is better together, and we would love to have you on Team Bring Freedom. Wear a dress or tie every day during the month of December to raise awareness and funds to end human trafficking. Check the description box for more information. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoy hearing stories of persons with lived experience, please rate and review wherever you're listening to this podcast.